faithwire.com. Hello and welcome to Four and Three, a podcast breaking down four of the most important stories of the day and three things you need to know about them all from a Christian perspective. I want to welcome in regular listeners from the CBN News Daily Rundown. We've joined forces with them. Every Wednesday, we'll be joining you all and featuring the Four and Three podcast on the Daily Rundown. Glad everyone's here. Today's Wednesday, July 7th, 2021. I'm Dan Andros coming up on the podcast today. Haiti's president assassinated at his home in a country already in chaos. We'll have the fallout there. Jen Psaki says the White House would support states locking down again. And a Hollywood actor's uh, stunning testimony and how he left the faith and came back. Uh, plus, Chicago public schools start supplying fifth graders with condoms. All these stories and more on the podcast with Trey Gones Phillips from faithwire.com. Trey, man, some you're ending us on a low note here, I noticed, on story four. I know. And just yesterday, I know you and I talked about we should probably try to make the, the fourth story like a lighthearted, like, you know, uh, more uplifting story. And then as I was putting in the notes for the fourth story, I thought, well, I don't know that this really fits the bill, supplying no. little kids with condom no but an important but, i mean it's certainly an important one to it, yeah about. yeah absolutely i mean geez i mean just just when Crazy. you think just when you think it can't get any crazier it does and right. um yeah we'll have that uh uplifting story here in a few minutes but it is actually important just kidding aside important and but story uh, number three story yes. number three is really uplifting yes always a good testimony always love to feature a good testimony and uh, that is certainly one of them so we'll yeah. have that uh, from Hollywood and also um, uh, more on the latest with the lockdown idea and the door-to-door uh, comments from Biden yesterday. But we're going to start uh, in Haiti. And man, it's been in chaos there for several months now. And last night, President uh, Jovenel Moise was assassinated and it was a coordinated attack that happened around 1 a.m. at his private residence. The assassins were mercenaries who allegedly spoke Spanish and English with an American accent. Uh, That was according to reports uh, from uh, local journalists uh, in southern Miami who cover Haiti and also is on CBS News. Uh, Moise had uh, dissolved the parliament, and he was ruling by decree since January 2020, and he'd been accused by many protesters and activists as being just as corrupt as past administrations, if not worse, and he's also accused of holding a rigged election when he when he got into office a few years ago uh, and he's overstayed his welcome and that was sort of at the heart of this this battle um, not only was he ruling by decree but he had uh, overstayed when he was supposed to be out according to some protesters and uh, so there was a debate over that he had also created a secret intelligence agency that only reported to him uh, and then he declared measures to make basic acts of protest, you know, like burning tires, marching, things like that. They defined him as terrorism uh, so that allegedly it looked like he could crack down on protesters who are opposing him. So a lot of questions remain. Who hired the mercenaries? What was their motive? Uh, and so in a nation that was already unstable and um, stricken with strife and poverty, Haiti's really in an especially dark place right now. And, um, you know, gang violence, Extremely volatile economic crisis, kidnappings, people being forced out of their homes, homes being burned, cars being burned, 
just a lot of craziness going on and and the police and military presence is basically non-existent existent in many towns leaving people to form their own forms of protection and a video from vice that uh you know from them reporting there about a few months ago uh, you could see that they were forming their own sort of militias to protect themselves against different gang violence and so you just have people roaming the streets with machine guns uh and then it also showed this was months ago protesters uh really upset at uh the president calling for his ouster and uh you know it all culminated with this what they called a barbaric assassination attack uh last night in the wee hours of of the am so not not a light right uh left issue tray per se um, but yeah. we, we need to be praying for Haiti. Faithwire and CBN regulars may recall a story we did recently in which we raised over $5,000 to feed Haitian prisoners, um, many of whom were tossed into prison unjustly and just living in horrible, just, just squalid conditions. And we're, we're told, you know, in Scripture... If anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? That's First John three seventeen. Obviously, there's a plethora of verses about helping the poor and having a heart for for those who are pressed and and living in poverty. and And Haiti is ground zero for that cause. And it's it's really hard to describe the poverty there, Trey, unless you've seen it firsthand. I I went there one time back in 2017. I did yeah. a couple. It was reporting on an American missionary there, Kate Bartow. Uh, her dad, who also does missionary work there, her whole family does. And uh, man, it was just, you, you re- it's just really hard to describe until you see it. Um, just the way they live. I mean, it's just, it's completely nothing like here. And, you know, it, it's scary because it really does feel like the Wild West in a lot of places. Yeah. And, you know, when I look at, at countries or places that are going through this kind of stuff that are obviously third world and living in in such squalid conditions. Like you said, I often think like it's hard to, to be hopeful. Like it's hard to have hope uh, that, that there's going to be a turning of the tide mm. there. But uh, I do often look at the believers who are in these countries and in, in these situations. And at, at times I'm kind of envious of their faith because yeah. they're, uh, you know, they don't have the luxuries that we have in the United States or in the West. Like they, they can't fall back on, um, on the blessings and the prosperity that we have, because even the poorest person in the United States has, has more than, than these people. And, um, in, in third world countries. So uh, they're having to rely on faith because it's literally all they have. Like, you know, it's not, there's no alternative. There's yeah. no way of kind of placating their concerns uh, with materialism or with social media or, you know, whatever, uh, because, you know, the only option that they have available to them um, is their faith and often not even a you know, scripture in their hands. It's just what's in their head, you know, what they've heard mm. uh, passed down to them. You know, that's the only faith they have accessible to them. But it, it seems even though they don't have all the intellectual knowledge available to them, maybe that we have, their faith is is so much deeper yeah. uh, at, at times because, uh, you know, like I said, that that is their, their one lifeline. So, yeah. Uh, we certainly do need to be praying for them. And I know the Faithwire CBN uh, news family and followers are, uh, are a great prayer team. So, um, you know, it's, mm. it's just important to be lifting them up uh, yeah. right now because they're going through, they've been going, Haiti has been going through a really tough time for many, many years now. And it just seems like it's, it's not getting better. So no, like one thing after another, and you're, you're very right, Trey, about the, uh, that faith. It's a weird thing. Cause obviously, you know, they, you, you don't want to be envious of someone who's in that 
poverty of right. you know stricken right. situation. Um, but you do, you see their faith because you're like, wow, they have nothing. A lot of them, nothing. And their faith is very strong. I mean, when I was there, um, I actually stayed at this tiny church that had a dilapidated, you know, uh, aluminum roof, you know, just sheet, sheet metal type roof and, um, uh, concrete building, pretty small. And man, they had church there. I was there on a Sunday and they got there at like seven in the morning. People just started filing in and they were there until, almost dinner time and just, just having several worship services, just keeping it going. And, um, just, and really inspired services too. a lot of singing, a lot of dancing and the whole day, whole day they're doing this. And, you know, meanwhile here in America, we're like, we can't be bothered for 45 minutes. Like, Oh wow. You're going over an hour. That's, that's troublesome. (laughs) And so, and so not, and not only are they fighting that poverty there, it's obviously the corruption is is a problem and the violence, but, there's also just spiritual warfare like like voodooism is very big there you see if you're just driving across the country you see voodoo huts um and so they're very superstitious with that kind of um demonic warfare going on so a lot of lot of problems there in haiti and so you know as you said definitely need to be uh praying for them there for sure yeah, definitely. There's a lot to, a lot to read about, to learn about, but it's, and it can be overwhelming, but, uh, you know, the good news is believers as we know that mm. we can hand that over to God. So there's plenty of stuff, like you said, to be, to be prayerful for. So, all right. Story number two. So White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki uh, told reporters yesterday that President Joe Biden's administration would support states going back into lockdown if they so chose. Uh, so Saki's uh, admission comes as the so-called Delta variant of COVID-19 is spreading across the country. Uh, The CDC uh, estimated it will soon account for more than 50% of the new cases uh, around the U.S. So she said states are going to have to make evaluations and local communities are going to have to make evaluations about what's in their interest. And as you know, uh, there are much higher rates of vaccinations in some parts of the country over others. And we certainly support their decisions to implement any measures. Uh, that they think will help their communities. Uh, so that that last sentence is what a lot of people were kind of latched onto. <laughs> they, the, the White House would support any measures uh, that they think will help. So her comments come on the heels of new data released by Israel's health minister showing that the Pfizer vaccination against COVID uh, is a, a bit less effective at preventing an infection with the Delta variant of the virus. Um, it's just as effective at least so far, as far as preventing hospitalization, uh, but the, the the possibility of a breakthrough infection, even an, an asymptomatic one, is a bit higher uh, with with the Delta variant. So during the same press conference, Saki announced that the White House will be pushing an initiative to go door to door to get Americans uh, inoculated. Uh, President Biden then echoed that sentiment later in the day. He said health officials, quote, need to go community by community, neighborhood by neighborhood, and door to door, literally knocking on doors to get people vaccinated. Uh, so there are a lot of people who are not too pleased with that comment. So uh, what's the left saying? Well, many on the left have been voicing similar concerns, raising a lot of alarm bells about the Delta variant arguing it could be causing could be cause for reinstating measures like distancing rules and mask requirements and what's the right saying now, several people on the right including people like Ben Shapiro uh, they're pointing out that much of the fearful fearful reporting on the delta variant is seemingly and intentionally uh, misleading perhaps uh, so headlines keep reporting that the vaccines are less effective against the new variant uh, while that is technically true it's not necessarily meaningful information 
Uh, like I said, it has proven to be highly effective, just as, as effective as with other variants, at, at keeping people out of the hospital. And most of the people who have the vaccine just get an asymptomatic case if they do end up having a breakthrough infection with the Delta variant. Uh, and the hospitalization is still pretty flat uh, for yeah. vaccinated people. So why does it matter? Uh, I just don't imagine Americans are going to go back into lockdowns, Dan. I, it just seems <laughs> like politicians are kind of playing with fire at this point. Uh, you know, things are already so tense, and I don't think it's necessarily wise to be throwing that kind of rhetoric around. Piper doesn't want uh, it either, so. Yeah, no. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll just have to power through that. But, um, you know, particularly since there are so many, uh, so many of these restrictions were already limiting people's religious freedoms. And that was a, a big, uh, a big topic that we've covered at CBN at Fa and Faithwire. So uh, as believers, I think our responsibility is to act responsibly, uh, to push back against some of these restrictions if they're stepping on our freedoms. Uh, and then just to pray for wisdom for our leaders yeah. and to look for opportunities to share God's peace right now. Because a lot of people are just not uh, not happy with the idea of going back into any sort of lockdowns. And I just don't think it would sit well uh, yeah. with the general population. No, and especially when it's really bizarre to me that this the Delta variant is yeah. being is being pushed like in a fear-mongering sort of way. I mean, nothing against reporting it. I mean, it's out there. But sure. you look at the total cases across the country and the daily cases or something like i don't know i looked at the latest one over on the cdc website and it was down to a few thousand per day and uh which is extremely low in a country of 350 million people so you yeah. you just feels like the you know you understand the need to want to be over cautious you know it's the same reason that weather forecasters at local stations get mocked when they're telling you to prepare for the hurricane and then nothing comes you know it's like a dud right well, you'd rather be safer than sorry. And so I think that's their mindset in this. But you, you see these, it's just like, read the room. There's basically no nowhere right now where people are got masks on um, or certainly not even thinking about a lockdown. I mean, that would just be, I don't, I think that would be a death knell for any politician, I think, that tried to push that right now. Yeah, and I just don't really understand why nobody seemed to have picked up on the language shift that we went over, uh, that we experienced several months ago. Like it used to be the hospitalization and the deaths. That was right. the, the rates we were concerned with. But now all of this reporting is like, even with this Delta variant, it's, well, we might need to go back into lockdown. We might need to add a mask mandate again or or call for social distancing again, just because there's an increase in cases. Well, yeah. But if you dig into the details, it's like, oh, like two thirds of them, more than two thirds of them are asymptomatic cases. The only reason these people know they're infected is because their work or, you know, wherever is requiring them to get tested. Right. Like otherwise they'd have no idea no they idea. were even infected. And, and it's interesting. You mentioned that word games, Trey, and it's very true. Look closely. I challenge anyone to look closely anytime something like the Delta variant is mentioned and look at that when they say it's concerning and dangerous, look for the why. And what I keep yeah. seeing them say is, well, it's 50% of new cases. Well, so what? The new it, the the vaccine does a good job against the, the Delta variant, and the yeah. cases are incredibly low. So right. why, why are you trying to scare people? Um, yeah. So you have to look at the parameters because they're being very shifty about it, and they're, and they're changing the focus. Right, exactly. Yeah. All right, let's uh, let's head into story number three, and I might be butchering this name, Trey. You're gonna have to help me. Actor C Christopher Palaha, is that? That's right. Is that yeah, I did it. Know. All right, I did it. Appeared in Wonder Woman 1984, and is gonna co-star in next year's Jurassic World Dominion. 
recently hit up our friend uh, Billy Hallowell on the Pure Flix podcast where he detailed his path to faith in Hollywood. And um, he had an identity as a Christian growing up, uh, had a faith-filled house and into high school. But then when uh, you know he was going in between high school and college, he sort of kind of fell away from the faith a little bit and was attending college in New York City and said what he went on was essentially a break from from God, like a break in the relationship was how he described it. Uh, but then something happened uh, while he was there at, at college uh, in, in the late 90s that was really a miraculous survival of an event that kind of turned him back towards God. And so here's how he described uh, what happened. He said it was his sophomore year of college, walking around in New York City with a friend. I was on a right between her and the traffic, and for some reason, I moved and I switched places. He said, I said to her, I don't know why, but I feel better on this side of you. Moments later, um, they were just walking down and there was an explosion. And the grate in the sidewalk just blew open. And he said, we were engulfed in a fireball. Um, and it sent them f- hurling into the air. Mm. And he said, the next thing I know, I'm standing in the first lane of traffic. I've got blood on my chest. Uh, he had a face injury that required a lot of work, a lot of stitches. But they were both relatively fine in something that could have easily killed them. And when he looked back on what happened, he he believes that a number of miracles unfolded. And in the end, um, it led him to kind of reconnect and think about God and go back. He said, I started praying fervently. And he said, that was the moment that I decided that I wanted God. So now flash forward a few decades and he's a busy actor with a big career. And his faith has really deepened. And so... Uh, he talked about in the interview, which you can read on CBN News, he said he brings that faith and positive demeanor with him wherever he goes, trying to inspire others along the way. He said, my mission field set. I get to go to work and I, I'm nice. And if I'm on time, I know my lines. And I kind of I start reflecting God's love because that becomes a fragrance for people to walk up to me and be like, why are you different? So uh, that's his MO. Really cool story right there. Obviously not a not a left right issue so much there, Trey. Um, just a great story of God calling someone back to him like the prodigal son. And so, you know, praise God for another soul saved. And, and I love hearing testimonies like this and, uh, they never get old. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. You know, I remember back in, uh, 2018, I went to a a movie premiere for Tim Tebow's movie, Run the Race. And Palaha was in that movie at a supporting role in that movie. Um, and he talked about how his faith and how it, he didn't share all that, that, that whole story right there, but he did talk about how uh, he grew up Christian kind of turned away from that. Uh, but then uh, ended up, uh, you know, just coming back to God. I think it was, you know, after this point, it was just something that he's, that he started to explore that again and he returned to it. And he's uh, in every interview that I've been, uh, I've been in with him. I think I've, uh, I've been in an interview once or twice with him and then I've seen several others uh, and he frequently references his faith and, you know, is, is grateful to God for where he is in life and how he's ended up with the career that he's got. Uh, that was why he was interested in doing that movie. Tim Tebow's movie run the race was because he, you know, it was a faith based movie and he just said it was a really good, fit for him and it was he did it actually you know right on the heels of having filmed uh, wonder woman 1984 uh, so uh, you know his his career has just been really successful and he's always you know been willing to talk about his faith which i always mm. admire because that's a tough thing to do it seems in hollywood is to continue to be open um 
you know, about your faith yeah. because there's so much hostility, I think, in our secular world, our secular culture. So anytime I see somebody who's, you know, courageous enough to stand up and, and talk about their faith, we talk all about, you know, doing the brave thing and like, oh, wow, they're just so courageous. Like this is actually the courageous yeah. thing yeah. Uh, is talking about your Christian faith in a world that's uh, increasingly hostile toward it. Right. And people will mock that. And say, oh, come on. It's not a bit. But if you actually listen to um, people who have been in Hollywood, I mean, look what happened to Chris Pratt when they're like trying to out him for the church he went to, because they really view yeah. a and a lot of times it comes down to the view on homosexuality, because there are a lot of right. LGBT, you know, individuals in that industry. And so a lot of times they view Christians as an enemy. And they yeah. think that they're hostile towards LGBTQ people, which isn't the case. You know, it's not, you know, it, it's one of those things that I think is, uh, you know, miscommunication, a mis sort of understanding of each yeah. side there. Um, but, but I like his approach there. I like how he talks about um, wanting to first set the example, but then yeah. he sounds ready. Not, not that he's going to be just like eyewitness by my life and then just hope it happens through osmosis. He he specifically said that I'm gonna I'm gonna act differently in order to hopefully get that question um, yeah. that says why are you different and then it sounds like he's ready to then explain why which I think is such a great way to do it. you help somebody that's why Christians go out into the mission field and help people in need like in somewhere like Haiti you go there well what are you here for well I'm here because uh, I'm following Christ and I'm trying to you know show Christ's love to others and and ex and you can explain the gospel from there and you've got credibility when you do it that yeah. way. Yeah, for sure. And they, that's why I think it's so important for Christians, for believers, for us to let's meet the immediate need first. Like if it's a physical or emotional, psychological, whatever, like meet that need. And then like you said, Dan, we've established some credibility and then they can say, well, why are you doing this? Like, why do you care? Uh, that I, you know, that I'm hungry and I need, or I need clothes or, you know, that I've experienced this trauma. Like, why does that matter to you? Yeah. Uh, and then there's an opportunity that doors opened, uh, like Palaha said, that, that opens the door to ask a question and, and hopefully have that vulnerable conversation about who God is and, and who Jesus is. Yep. So, all right. Story number four. So, like I said, this one's not all that encouraging, <laughs> but uh, it, it is an important one. So uh, when they reopen in August, Chicago elementary schools will be stocked with condoms accessible to fifth graders uh, as part of a new policy approved by the Board of Education for Chicago Public Schools, according to the Chicago Sun-Times, uh, which described the move as part of an expanded vision of sexual health education. So Dr. Kenneth Fox, he's a pediatrician and the chief health officer for CPS, uh, he told the Times that uh, young people have the right to accurate and clear information to make health decisions and need access to resources to protect their health and the health of others as they act on those decisions. He went on to explain, essentially, what we want to do is make condoms available to students for if and when they think that they need them. Uh, when you don't have those protections and you don't make those resources available, then bad stuff happens to young people. You have elevated ris risks of sexually transmitted infections of unattended pregnancies, and that's very preventable stuff. Uh, as for why fifth grade was selected as the starting point, Fox said the decision was, quote, informed by a developmental understanding of children. Uh, and while everyone might not agree with it, he said society, quote, has changed. You know, the first thing, Dan, that I always think of when I hear these stories is, is abstinence just not really a, <laughs> not a like, thing, is that yeah. not an option anymore? Yeah. You know, I mean, these are kids. 
so this one's not, you know, it doesn't perfectly fit into the left-right thing that we've certainly have discussed on this podcast before where each side pretty much falls on the debate. Uh, there are, though, plenty of parents probably on both sides of the aisle who are concerned about the decision. Uh, one of those parents is Maria Serrano, as she leads a group actually working to improve sex education, uh, but said that fifth grade is just, you know, she kind of stated the obvious, fifth grade is just way too young yeah. uh, to make these kinds of resources available to, to them and to, to kind of put it in their faces uh, when they really just shouldn't be thinking about it at, you know, in, in fifth grade. Yeah. Uh, she said the school system is doing things backwards because 10, 11, and 12-year-old kids don't even fully understand sexuality or even if they think they do, uh, they shouldn't be provided the tools to be sexually active. It shouldn't be kind of pushed in their faces. Uh, Scout Bratt, he's the director for the Chicago Women's Health Center, uh, tried to quell parents' concerns and said the availability of condoms doesn't does not mean that all students are going to be using the condoms or be encouraged uh, to use them. So she kind of tried to push back against the suggestion that people uh, just because they're available doesn't mean that all these kids are going to go out and start uh, having sex and using them. But, I, you know, the concern there is just why? Why do kids need to be uh, need to have this available to them? Life is already difficult enough. Uh, and at, at fifth grade, there's still some innocence. Uh, they don't really need to be exposed to this kind of stuff. So as, as for why it matters, I think this one's kind of obvious. Parents just need to be tuned into what's going on. Uh, in their kids' schools and make decisions that are best for them, whether that means keeping them there and just, you know, keeping a really watchful eye or homeschooling or private school, you know, whatever works best for, for your family and your financial situation. But, you know, teach your kids the right values and principles because you don't want them to pick up uh, what's being taught in so many of these mm. schools and classrooms because it's just, it's so counter to the gospel message and so counter to the the, the morals that God designed around sexuality uh, so you know i think the takeaway here is just to be to be aware and to be as present as you can as a parent yeah. uh, in your kids educational life it seems bizarre to me you mentioned abstinence and it's like why is it that that isn't even something that's considered i don't think we do this with any other problem with any other issue right yeah. nobody said they don't put guns in the hallway going you know what we don't think you should go out and shoot guns but if you're going to shoot guns, we want to make sure you have the safest guns. Like, what? Why would you? You wouldn't do that. And, uh, you know, yeah. So I don't understand why we do it with this issue. It, it, this issue. It's like you just give up and raise the white flag and go, well, the kids are going to do it anyway. So, yeah. May as well have it be the safest way possible. And it, it's very bizarre that that is treated that way. And then when it's pushed on kids this young, it's very difficult not to see the slippery slope that many people warned about years ago yeah. saying this is going to come towards kids. This sexual, highly sexualized movement, this embracing sex work, all these things. It's going to go to the kids. No, no, that's just gross. Why would you suggest we're going to go towards the kids? And here they go. Here they go. Yeah. We're talking to fifth graders about sex. And I don't understand. Well, I do understand, but it's it should be obvious that that's the parent's job to be teaching kids about those issues. But the yeah. public schools and, and, and a lot of institutions, government institutions, believe it's their place. And that's where they end up clashing with a lot of people. 
Yeah, and that's a good point, Dan, with your example with guns. Because, I mean, I was just thinking, we even do that with, with drugs and drinking and smoking, right? Like we tell kids the best way to not get addicted to nicotine, the best way to not smoke is to never do it. Or, you know, the <laughs> best way to, to not potentially have a problem with alcohol is just don't drink. Like we, we had all of that, all those campaigns I remember <clears throat> growing up. Uh, we're always prevalent. Yeah, don't do drugs. <laughs> Say no. Right. And like we still <laughs> even have those commercials on TV. To, now they're talking about vaping. Like the best way to avoid uh, an addiction to vaping is just to never start vaping at all. Yeah. Uh, so it's like we, we apply that logic and it's good logic. We apply it to everything else. <laughs> uh, but sex, we kind of set apart. Because, Not possible. <laughs> uh, we, yeah, because we just live in this world now that there are we won't put rules around sexuality. We're teaching kids <laughs> in elementary school, not just making condoms available in this school district, but we're teaching them about different sexual identities and, and different ways of, of sexually expressing themselves through their orientation and stuff. Like kids don't need to be, you know, they don't need that stuff thrust on them by uh, the public school system. Like you said, Dan, that's up to the parents. Yeah. And certainly as, as a little kid, like you don't need that innocence mm -mm. stolen from you uh, earlier than the world is already going to take it. Uh, so, you know, pushing that kind of stuff is just, uh, is not, not a good plan. I don't think at all. And I, you know, unfortunately, it seems like the slippery slope warnings we've heard for years are yeah. coming true. Indeed, indeed. So all the more reason for everybody to be involved uh, prayerfully yeah. and, um, you know, with their schools and what's going on there. It's our kids. It's our kids being indoctrinated. Sure. So, all right. So all the time we have for today, as always, head on over to uh, CBN News and FaithWire.com for more news from a Christian perspective and do not forget to head on over to iTunes, subscribe to this podcast, and leave a rating. It's really helpful for uh, getting Christian news out there for more people to see. God bless. We will see you back here tomorrow. Take care. Have a great rest of the day.